When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our second Viriel USA podcast of the new year. This is Alan. I'm joined by Robin tonight from from the wilds of Yorkshire, I guess. Hello there. Welcome back. It's been yes. a long time since we've all spoken. I know. And and Zach from Eastern North Carolina. How are things there? I'm a little colder than I'd like, but overall pretty good. Okay. All right. So, and that that kind of overall pretty good might be a good lead-in for for uh, for yesterday um, against Atleti. Although um, we managed still not to win, and I apologize. Um, I think we all need to apologize to Maddie because the founder of Virial USA has particular hatred for <laughs> Atleti for some reason, and so. Um, he was really hoping that that we would win, as were we all. Um, but okay, so we since we talked since we last talked, we went boy before Christmas, um, before New Year's, we went on a winning streak that looked really impressive. We had a field day against Levante. Um, then the Copa didn't go quite so well, and then yesterday. So is you know are we are we optimistic? What are we what are we feeling right now? I um I could not care less about the Copa del Rey loss. <laughs> um, I think we have enough ground to make up in La Liga that it's better that we got ahead and went ahead and got that out of our system uh, before we dedicated too many too much energy and resources to it. Um, and I mean, considering considering we were missing Bulaidia and Sammy Chiquesi, I thought yesterday went very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, Alberto Moreno um, experiment seems to be working out well, and I think that I, I think all of us were sort of wondering what his what his role in the team would be, given how many left backs we have. And I guess the answer is he can do more things than just play at left back. Is that how you see it, Robin? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been very impressed with him. I haven't been his biggest fan over the years. He's, he's frankly, he just annoys me a bit. But um, I, I like what he's been done. I mean, fair play to Emery. He just kind of said, said to Alberto Moreno, let's do this. Let's give it a go. And I think his speed is really dynamic there. I think that's definitely what we need on that left wing is just some sort of dynamism and someone that can run sprint really fast. I think if he could add a bit more like dribbling into it, so if he could do a bit more of what Dan Juma and Chiquese does and a bit more dribbling into it, I think he could be a really, really effective left winger. I mean, if we if we were worrying about Dan Juma leaving, which he might possibly, uh, hopefully I'm not jinxing that, um, then, you know, that left wing place is available and he offers a bit more than Moy does, really, in terms of that pace and that sort of mm-hmm. dynamism. Um, so, yeah, no, I was really, really impressed with him yesterday. Fair play to him. He was one of our best players yesterday. I mean, he made... Yeah, he made all the right decisions yesterday, and I think that was a really good decision for memory, to be fair to him. Uh, how did you feel, Alan? How did you see it? Well, I think um, I'm still puzzling over the um, the waved-off goal from from Parejo, I guess. But but I have to say, I mean, that was early enough in the match that you know it, it didn't condition the outcome. Um, overall, I thought that. We've made a lot of progress. I think where I, where I've been concerned about Virial through the years, regardless of coach, regardless of players, is that we often manage to find ways to play down to our opposition's level. Um, we sometimes have that have a match where it's like, okay, just don't lose it, and we manage to lose it. And I think the the period of time before the new year, you know, we didn't see, we we played really well. Um, yeah, we have some absences and injuries now, um, but I thought we played really well against Atleti. I thought it was it was kind of sad that that a couple of the goals were so um, so cheap. I mean, our, their first goal, of course, a lob from 
from halfway. And then our first goal was just a complete goalkeeper spill the ball right into the path of, of, of Pau. But um, I thought we played really well. And I think especially considering who wasn't available to us, we did, we did very well. Um, it's just going to be interesting. I think several people yesterday were saying, yeah, Viriel are, are look like a top four team. The question is, can they, will we have the players to, to do it? Um, obviously we're missing more than some in Af- that, that have gone to Africa, but we also have injuries and, and things like that to deal with. But overall, I'm kind of like Zach. I could care less about the Copa. I'm, I'm more interested in moving up in the league and, and uh, hopefully defeating Juventus. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're fighting in the Champions League and we've got through that far, then I, don't, I think there's less concern about the Copa. I mean, I, I hate to disrespect Copa and FA Cups and those kind of cup games, but when you've got... When you're doing well in other things that are essentially more important at the moment, I mean, we're not going to play in the Champions League every season, so we might as well put all the resources into that. I must admit, I did. I was very cynical about the Champions League run early on because I felt like Emery was jeopardising that the league position for the Champions League, which I really wasn't happy about. I think a lot of people were calling, like, I mean, I certainly was before this good run of form. I was very, very sick of Emery and his tactics, but credit to him, he has changed his tactics recently. I think mm-hmm. he's adopted that 4-4-2, which means there's two strikers up top, which are putting pressure on that opposition more. Um, and I think he's kind of recognised that the 4-3-3 wasn't working quite as well as it should have been. But then that was also down to injuries, wasn't it? We had Dan Juma off and, and that. But it's yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's quite promising. It's quite exciting at the moment to be a rear elf. And I must admit, I, am, I don't think we're quite on the level of top four yet. I, I know we're on a good run of games and stuff, and I would love to be more positive, but... Every time I get positive, we end up going on a bit of a losing streak. So, um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be a VRL fan. It's certainly not the case that we're worrying about it. Um, how, how about you, Zach? How, did you feel, like, how do you feel like our future prospects are in terms of Champions League or league position? Um, well, with especially with the fact that, I mean, I thought we were a better, a better team than Juventus anyway. And then uh, Chiesa tore his ACL. Uh, this last week, and I hope he has a completely successful recovery because he's a wonderful player. Um, but without him, I mean, I, I think we can make it to the final eight of the Champions League. Um, you know, and then I'm looking at the La Liga table, and we're two points behind Rio, and Rio were a really fun story the first half of the year, uh, but I don't really see them continuing that. Um, I think I think we're probably. Uh, better equipped to handle multiple competitions than at least a couple of the other teams above us. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, I think we're in a prime position to end up back somewhere between fourth and sixth by the end of the year. And, um, and I mean, once, you know, in a knockout cup like the Champions League, you know, you can get past Juventus. Who knows who you draw next? Who knows what happens? So, I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic. Like, like you said, I'm... There was a point in the year where I was just fed up with Emery, uh, but he changed the tactics some. And um, I saw a chart the other day that actually showed that out of the last 10 people who have managed a game for Villarreal, uh, Unai Emery actually has the best points per game uh, of any of them. So, you know, the, the man brought us a trophy. He's got us back playing our best football heading into the second half of the year. I, I trust him. Let's see what he does. Yeah, I think it's interesting that one of the things that's happened in this last run, well, two things. I mean, one is certainly the change of, of formation from the 4-3-3 in attack to a four, to a more of a 4-4-2, which we've discussed before. I mean, I think it's something that Virial sort of tend to have in their genes a bit more than, um, than a 4-3-3. But the other is that Along with that, I think we've gotten really good play from players who we were sort of concerned about. I mean, Manu Trigueros, for example, has had some really outstanding games of late and seems to be, he's he's certainly seems to be much more comfortable in the 4-4-2. And then yesterday, Estepinion was, was uh, really outstanding and he's been one that we've, that we've wondered, well, what exactly is his role here? So... I think the fact that you the results are great, the the way that the team looks is is great. Um, 
But I think what's really nice to see is these players who seem to be finding their role in the in the system now where they maybe didn't have one before. I think that the players who are probably the guy who I'm waiting to see more for it from because I think he would be um, fairly comfortable in the 4-4-2 because he knows it so well as Moy. But I feel like our 4-4-2 under Emery is maybe a little more dynamic than what Moy is used to. And I'm he seems to be the one player that I think might kind of be without a position. Um, I, I also think, and I agree with you on, on Moy Gomez, I just, I like him. Um, but I think what he does best is drifting inside. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and with the way Gerard plays in that four four two, and the way Chirgueros, uh makes those late runs into the box, I don't really think there's a space for him to do that. Um, but I, I think one of the things about some of the players you talked about is um, with a lot of players – if they're willing to buy into what Emery's doing, they eventually come good. I mean, in a couple of weeks, Purvis Estupinian will turn 24. He's still a young player. Um, so it's taken him a while to settle in, but he's starting to figure out what Emery expects of him. He's starting to look really good. Uh, Chiquese didn't play very much the first half of the year last year. Uh, before his injury, he started playing really, really, really well. And now he's come off of injury and he looks really, really good again. Um, you know, I, I think with a lot of these players, I think Emery, because he's a little bit of a control freak, asks complicated things of his players that it takes some guys a while to figure out. Um, and until they do, you're sitting there wondering with both the players and the manager, you know, what are we doing? Why is this guy here? Um, and then it starts to click. And I mean, as you, as we've seen the last month and a half or so, they play really, really good football when everything's clicking together. I think describing Emery as a control freak is an understatement, really, with him. <laughs> he's, got, he's got massive issues in terms of controlling and stuff. But it's like you said, though, his, his idea is, is slowly coming into fruition. And I think the fact that they, the manager is willing to change his, up his tactics and not be so stubborn is kind of reflected on the players. It's almost like a flood of relief has come over these players. Uh, I mean, Estupin, I haven't been his most favourable critic, that's probably because I prefer Pradasa, but in that game yesterday, he had an absolutely brilliant game. He didn't put a foot wrong uh, at all, and, and he def- definitely pulled up a defensive clearance, which was incredible. He threw himself right in front of the shot, and it was, it was really beautiful to watch. So fair play to him, I think. And certainly with Samu as well, I think, yeah, you, you bang on. He, he wasn't playing much. I think what's really helped with Samu is having Foyce behind him, because Foyce isn't pushing yeah. up on the right-hand side and taking over his role or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think on the crossover on the uh, on the left hand side, that's sort of the same with Estupinian as well. That he seems to be a bit more, I suppose, he's a bit more. He's thinking a bit more carefully about his runs going forward, and he's sort of working well with that left back. I mean, I think he works better with Alberto Moreno than he does with Pedraza. So, uh, you know, Estupinian and then Alberto Moreno in front of him is pretty good. Whereas then you've got Pedraza and Danjuma. That that's sort of a different kind of connection. But yeah, they've they've all been playing incredibly well. It's great to see. I certainly agree with it. I think I, I like Moy as well. I mean, I, I, he's improved. But the best I can always say about Moy is he's average and he never really steps up from average, in my opinion. He's, I like what he's trying to do, but he never pulls it off quite well. And that's it's quite sad. But in a way, you say, say you can't really see him in sort of the starting lineup. But it's been a long time since I've really seen a position for Moy in the starting lineup, regardless of the formation. And mm. I think he's just sort of become a bit stunted, really, in, in what he what he wants to do and what he is as a player, he's become a bit limited, which is sad because he's so versatile. He's very much like Trigueros. He he offers something. Um, like Trigueros is a very, very versatile player and he can play anywhere. The thing about Trigueros, which is interesting, is that it's kind of, it's kind of fitting him into that 4-4-2 because I think it was at the Levanta game or the other game where he he was on his own alongside a and he played so well in that centre of 4-4-2. But normally I think Emery prefers Capoue and Paraco in that middle. So, mm-hmm. I hopefully, you know, if we get those players back, it's going to be interesting to see how, if we're injury-free of all players, how tr- would Trigueros suddenly be forced out again of the squad? I mean, how do you two feel about that? Do you think he would stick or would uh, change uh, again? I think, uh, well, I, I'll i answer because, of course, you know how much I like Manu. Um, I think one of the things that seems to be um, when when we're clicking, we're we're very we're very fluid up front, and I think 
partly because Gerard is not playing a traditional striker role, um, as you guys mentioned earlier. And I think Trigueros is a really good player. One of his, he has really good instincts for finding a space. Um, I think the thing that's frustrating is that if he were a better, um, if he were a better shooter of the ball, um, he would have, you know, 10 goals a season. Um, because he's really good at finding spaces to get shots away. It's just they're not often on or always on target. But I think so. I think he can probably find some room to ramble. I think it's more a question of Emery trying to balance the the um, desire for defensive solidity in midfield with um, with uh, with the creative attack. I mean. I think having Kapu in in midfield. I mean, he talk about a game yesterday. I mean, he was he was outstanding. Um, I I I think the interesting thing about that is um, you can bring Trigueros in to be a change of pace at a variety of different positions. So like you can bring him in for a striker and turn it into a little bit more of a four two three one. Um, you can pull him in, put him in on the right flank, and it may, and make it like something different than the sort of explosive wing play that we might get um, from uh, from Samu or from Jeremy. And I mean, he just uh, you can bring him in for Kapui, and he, he he just his positionally just so different that it, I mean, he can just he can change the entire complexion of your team just by coming onto the pitch. And a player like that is always incredibly useful. Um, the other crazy thing about his, um, you mentioned his shooting and it's like, it's almost like the harder the shot is the better attempt he puts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was like, it, like, cause for the year, for the year, he's actually outperforming his expected goals, which is not something you'd expect at all. Given the number of times he's been like right in the middle of the box and either headed it or kicked it straight at the keeper. But then he does things like like he did against Levante where he's like 25 yards out and, Oh, let me just put a curler into the top corner. You know, like like that's easier for him than just shooting from 12 yards away. Um, And so I I think he's a versatile enough player that he's always going to have a role. Um, And honestly, unless it's that kind of late game stopper role that we saw Ibora do yesterday, um, basically to me, in most situations, I would just turn to Trigueros before I turn to Ibora or Kokolan and get him as minutes that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's, um, it's, I think we'll always love Trigueros. He's going to be there for a, for a long time. And I think like, he's always hit and miss. And like you said, his shooting is always questionable. But to be fair, I think he's improved it over the last few weeks because some of the shots were absolutely hideous in some of the first matches and stuff. But speaking of that, I mean, our central midfielders, Kapue, Pareko, Trios, none of them can particularly shoot, which has always been a bit worrying. I suppose if, we, if we're, sort of, we're talking about lots of positives here, I think we probably should have to cover the, the Ruli, um just Ruli in general. Yeah, um, so I was fair. going... Go on, Alan. Go yeah, on. I was going to say, I was, I was going to say, let's take a short break and then I want to talk about Ruli because I think that, I think we all have things to say about that. <laughs> so let's let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, so Geronimo Ruli, yes. <laughs> uh, take it away, Robin. <laughs> you want me to? Um, well, uh, to be honest with you, out of, out of, I think there's people that are a lot more critical of him than I am, which I, I thought I generally would be a lot more annoyed about him. I find him frustrating um, to play. and to have, He looks like the kid that someone's put in goal that doesn't want to be in goal for more than 10 minutes. Um, he's sort of always moving around. I, I don't know how to describe him, really. It, I, I found yesterday, yesterday I, 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 there was a lot of discussion about Ruli and that and that first goal. So first, I would say it was an incredible goal. Like the the effort and how he did it was incredible shot on goal. So no one was expecting that shot. I think Pereco was massively to blame for a very very stupid pass that was way too lazy, and Pereco should have done that. I I don't know. I've watched it again since, and I, I do think that. He does have to take some slight blame for being too far off the line in a non-threatening situation. So Pereca was under no pressure whatsoever, really. He made a very stupid pass. I still feel Ruli was just a bit too off for his line for that situation. 
However, that being said, I think it was just such an incredible shot on goal that no one was seeing that coming. So, um, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll let you two speak a bit more generally about him. But based on last yesterday's performance, I don't think he was solely to blame. The second goal was a bit different. So I suppose we're going to come to that as well. But how, how did you two, how do you two feel? Because I'm going off on a tangent again. So uh, I'll let you two go. I, I'm kind of at the point where I think Rui is fine. Um, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't like, if you told me, Hey, let's make a list of possible replacements for Jiro really. Cause he's the, when, when everybody's healthy, he's our wink link. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Let's think about other goalkeepers. Um, I think for the year, and I don't know if they, if they've got the Barca or not the Barca, the, um, I don't know if they got the Atletico stats in yet from that game. Uh, I know that the the goal from like a an ex- expected goals perspective, the goal that went the first goal yesterday was like the lowest expected goals uh, that a shot had that was actually successful all year in La Liga. Um, so that's going to mess with his numbers a little bit. But like for the year, in terms of the expected goals he's faced versus what he would be expected to stop. He's like dead even. He's like if you generic replacement goalie there. Um, and so then when you factor in some of the problems he's had playing the ball out short from the back, um, I completely understand why people get frustrated with him. Um, and I, I, I think I put on the Twitter page that like, I hope he kicks every single goal kick every single back pass. I hope he kicks him 50 yards or more. I hope he kicks him as long as he can because when he plays him short, uh, we've got serious problems. Um, but he's a decent enough shot stopper um, that I don't think it's like, I really don't think that in the grand scheme of things that Rui is, the, is single-handedly costing us a whole bunch of points. I just think that he's um, a, a basic replacement level goalkeeper that needs the people in front of him to not do dumb things. And in like with the first goal yesterday of all the people that I'm sure he would have thought weren't going to turn the ball over right there. Danny was like the last guy he was worried about. And then, you know, just a horrible, a, a horrible pass and then a brilliant shot after that. So I, I, I don't, I wasn't super upset with him over either goal yesterday. Uh, but I do think that, you know, if we have, any resources to spend during the winter, you know, that there are options out there that can improve on them. Oh, that's, so that's, that's, that's interesting. So you, you, you would consider replacing him mid season then if, if there was an option or like, do you think we should actively look for someone or do you think if there's an option that's relatively okay, we should make the risk. If that makes well, sense. I, I, I want, I mean, we've already got two goalkeepers that in their mind, should be starters. Like they both, both Asenho and Rui both definitely think in their own minds, they should be starters. So if you're going to bring a third keeper into that dynamic, it needs to be somebody that is good enough that both of those guys are going to say, Oh yeah, yeah, that guy probably should be starting. And, but if you can find a guy that can through his shot stopping single handedly earn us some extra points along the way, then you might be talking about the difference between being top four or not. Or you might be talking about the difference between making a Champions League, um, you know, final eight or semifinal or not. And that kind of value, if you can find it in the winter window, is definitely worth making a move in January. But make sure it's that guy. Um, I've seen people talk about uh, Nito from Barcelona. And the guy's played like 20 matches in the last three years. Like, we don't even know how good he is anymore. Um, so I wouldn't be excited for something like that, but if we could get a hold of a guy who we look at his numbers and say, yeah, this is a definite improvement. Yeah. I'd be definitely willing to do that in January. Uh, Alan, how do you feel? Well, I'm to, to take the yesterday first. I mean, okay. I'm, I don't blame really on the first goal really at all. Um, and the reason is because, I'm thinking of, I guess it was January 2011 when Connie scored that goal from halfway against Osasuna. You know, same thing. Brilliant shot. Their goalkeeper is not on the line either. Um, I think 
Ruli is probably up where he is because he wants to give, in case Atleti pressures our guys, he wants to give he wants to be somewhere where where he gives them the option of passing back to him. So I don't blame him for that. And the second goal, I think he was screened pretty pretty well. I mean, you know, you always want to want to blame the keeper a bit when it goes under you like that. But I don't. I I feel like he's what Zach's saying in the, the stats tell me is basically what I get, which is he's a good reflex. Um, you know, as a reflex goalkeeper, he's he's decent. Um, could we upgrade from him? Sure. Are we likely to be able to do that in January? No, because I think I think you pretty much um, are. It's not likely that you're going to find somebody who's going to walk in and be the undisputed starter in in January. I think it. I think you'd be more likely to look at it in, in a in a summer window. Um, I just I, it it was funny. Somebody I don't know if you saw somebody on Twitter um, in one of the Spanish Villarreal fans was. Um, I guess he bought Football Manager, and I was I was thinking about it because I would always joke, you know, this isn't Football Manager, but the, but for Virial, it said something like Ruli wants to find another position, and and I was thinking about that when because Robin's exactly right, he does remind you of the little kid who who's back in goal, but he really wants to be playing in midfield or something, and, and I think Emery likes that. <laughs> well, I think he does, but I but he's got to take the good and the bad with it. I mean, the good right. is that he's that he's willing to be um, more active as a ball distributor. He's, he, he's, he's willing to, to, to play a more active role and come out from his line, which, which we've usually had keepers like Asenjo and Diego Lopez who didn't. So it's a different, it's a different style, but the drawback is, is that sometimes you just don't know where he is. I mean, I think the, the, um, the, the Mandy um, own goal, against um against Atleti the first game I would blame Ruli much more for because there he had no there was no reason why he needed to go walk about like that and there was no reason why Mandi would have expected him to be anywhere other than in his in front of his net so that yeah. to me was an example of, of bad Ruli yesterday yeah it wasn't it wasn't great but that wasn't his fault I mean I mean I so I with the goalkeeper thing, yeah. I think I think you're bang on with the sort of his distribution by the feet is definitely something that Asenko never did, and it's quite clear that really, um, Emery wants that, and that's kind of the evolution of what goalkeepers are going through at the moment. Like you're, they're really highly sought after, really good goalkeepers that are sort of Asenko standard, but can also feel that. I mean, that was always Asenko's slight problem. He wasn't quite good at distribution as as much as any player, really. I mean, you don't remember that. The the thing being said is that I think. Um, is that Asenko, I mean, I'm not saying Asenko should be starting now in head of Ruli or anything, but the difference is Asenko commands his box really, really well. So all the defenders trust him. They know exactly where it is. It's like you say that Ruli, when he goes walkabout, none of the rest of the defenders know where he was. And as a defender, you really need that confidence of a goalkeeper behind you that's just going to at least command the box or say, shout, it's mine, I'm going to get it. This is this, you know. And that, that's really lacking in Ruli. That's why I think he looks like a scared little child in goal because he wouldn't, you know, and... And to be credit, I, I do have to say that it's that second goal for me. I was actually when I first my first reaction looking at it, I was actually more annoyed, and I can't believe I'm saying this with Raul by Albiol, and that I think because he couldn't get he couldn't get up in time to stand in front of that shot because that shot came through where he was, and he was on the floor from the first shot. So mm-hmm. if we maybe had a younger centre back, maybe someone would have got back up quicker to stand in the way of the shot. But also then there was Trigueros didn't um, he didn't do his defending well enough. But before I started. Insulting the players, what I would say is I think we were absolutely knackered in that second half. We were so tired, and you can see it in all the players in the second half. That I think those goals, and that's exactly what Atletico Madrid do, is that they just completely, you know, they let you play your game in the first half, and then the second half, then that's when they really hit you. And I think fair play to Simeone, he did nail that yesterday. So I'm going off on a tangent. So where were we? Yeah, so Ruli. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I um, think I think the thing about Ruli also is he's and. He's not a he's not a he's not a particularly big keeper either. I mean, he's not he's not um, he's not a tall particularly tall keeper, and he doesn't play tall. And I think that's. Um, but as you say, it's like on the one hand you have that um, that 
problem on the and on the other hand he he's made some some excellent reflex saves too i mean um and so you he's not you 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 get good and bad with him and you have to decide if you're going to upgrade i think you you really have to i think zach is right you really have to go to somebody who would be a definite upgrade rather than well let's let's sign this guy who barcelona haven't played much in years and see how he is i mean that that doesn't seem to to be a real big plus to me um I mean, the best keeper I've seen for Villarreal in, in recent years was probably Ariola when he was on loan, um, just because he was he was both physically imposing and I and I think worked well with our defense. But he, you know, there are other issues with him. Well, he, he's he's literally one of the most physically imposing is perfect because he's one of the most intimidating keepers I can you know I've ever seen. I mean, the way he prowled around in the box you know like when a cross went in there like nobody wants to mess with him because you you don't know what he's going to do he might he might take your head off trying to get to the ball and i think that's kind of a good thing if the opposing team doesn't know about that but um i i think the thing if you're talking about getting a significant upgrade and, and robin made a really good point with the way the keeper market is right now then basically what you're probably talking about doing next summer is you're talking about uh, bringing Cuenca back from Hitafe to be that fourth center back that we desperately need and then spending a bunch of money on a goalkeeper and that's your summer. And so I think the question that Villarreal fans have to ask themselves is if you want to upgrade Rui, do you want to do it bad enough that that's your whole summer next year because that's probably what it's going to take. That's an excellent point. I mean, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I can't really say anything on that. I mean, Ariola, you're bang on. He's not someone you want to meet down an alleyway, do you? Like, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. That that's the thing with it. I mean, I, I think it's also it's it's a bad idea to kind of suddenly get a new goalkeeper in mid-season when you're sort of on the same run of form and players are just... I mean, it's so psychological football. Some of the defence really needs... I mean, I'm sure they're just getting used to having Ruli in goal as well. And then if you want to get someone else in just to disrupt it... And it's like you said, you, you can't panic buy with a goalkeeper. A goalkeeper, to quote the dog comment, a goalkeeper's for life. Like You have a goalkeeper for a long period of time and mm-hmm. you stick with them. And fair play to Asenko. I mean, I... I've always loved the Senko. I've never really seen any major faults with him, to be honest. I think he's just got a bit older and maybe a bit slower on the reflexes. That, that's it. I mean, yes, yeah, we can criticise his distribution, but I think in the past we've never really had a goalkeeper that distributed well. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't remember one. I don't know about you, Alan, or Bozak, if you can remember a goalkeeper which we've had really good on, on his feet, um, you know, playing out from the back. Do we buy? Do we buy the idea that more and more now modern keepers are asked to play with their feet. And so whether or not we've had one in the past may not matter as much. Cause it's kind of the same thing that's happened with fullbacks where fullbacks are asked to do a lot of things. Now they weren't ever asked to do before. So mm-hmm. is, is, are we at the point with football where you need a keeper that can distribute or as long as you got a good shot stopper, is that fine enough? Yeah, that's a fair point. Cause I was thinking of Joe Hart. I think you mentioned it the other day. Joe Hart is a symbol of that. He was just absolutely lousy with feet, was a good keeper, and then his confidence just went. So, mm-hmm. uh, how about you, Alan? How, how do you feel? Yeah, I think I think to answer Zach's question, yeah, I think modern football, with so much of the of the pressing about it, the um, and the and the faster pace overall, I think the goalkeeper now has a much yeah, they've got to be able to play to play with their feet more. They've they've got to be comfortable with the ball at their feet and I think that's something that wasn't true you know until you know the last what five ten years maybe um and fullbacks yeah that's 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 also a good point I think so I don't think we didn't have keepers in the past who were particularly good at passing out from the back but then we never really asked them to they they weren't they weren't forced to um I I just think we had keepers um, and Asenjo is is a bit like this, not to the same extreme, but you know Diego Lopez was somebody who, I mean, he was you know big big uh, stork of a guy, still is since he plays for Espanol, 
um, and he commanded his little area and and was um, good at you know balls in the air and things like that. He was not somebody who was comfortable playing out from the back. We didn't we didn't ask him to do that. Um, so I think it's. I don't know. I mean, it, the keeper market is is a small one, and so if if you decide you want to you want to do something, you either have to find that that budding star that you can get for cheap, and those are hard to do, or as Zach said, you have to decide. Okay, I'm going to spend um, you know thirty million euros or something on on a keeper, and yep. that would be very surprising for Villarreal, I think. I mean, t- talking of signings, just to sort of slightly move on, how do you feel about our attacking situation at the moment? Because obviously we've got the cup, the um, African Cup of Nations is on and we've lost a huge striking threat. Do you two feel like we should sign another striker in the meantime or do you think we should just leave it and hold out until the till, until they return? Uh, um, Zach, do you want to kick us off? Um, I, I, I saw a article today. I think Jamie actually posted it on Football Hispania where uh, Sevilla was poking around Bakambu and, you know, on a sentimental level, it would, it would hurt to see him suiting up for somebody else. Um, but I, I really just don't see the need in terms of squad rotation, in terms of wages, in terms of just the logistics all the way around. I do not see the need to, um, at this point, um, bring in another striker. Just let the guys get back from the African Cup of Nations. Um, because, I mean, we've got a strike force that's working. And once Paco gets fit, um, I, I, I think given the wage structure at the club, he's at least good enough to be your backup striker for the rest of the season. Um, so, you know, there's no reason to bring in somebody else with more wages with another personality in the locker room and all that stuff. Okay, fair point. Alan, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Zach. I think, I think we all love Bakambu. I mean, no, re, you know, and he obviously loved his time in Villarreal. Um, but I really question whether we would. I mean, first of all, we don't even have a position for him on the squad. I guess we'd have to offload, you know, Danny Raba or somebody like that. Um, but I think it's, it's hard to see given that he's, hasn't really played that competitively over the last couple of years in, in China. I think, um, I, I just kind of, I feel like we're all thinking of Bakambu the way he was, um, when he played for us and I, there's no guarantee that he'd be that player now. I mean, that said, if he walked in to our, you know, to uh, Senior Reich and said, hey, I'll, t- I'll play for you for this much money for, for the rest of the season, I'd try to find a way to do it if it was cheap enough. But I just don't see it happening. Okay. Well, that's a fair point. Yeah, it's like, it's a general thing, isn't it? I think um, I think if, if Deer hadn't have suddenly come to fruition, I mean, I know he, I don't want to jinx it, but he has been a lot better. He's clearly just been practicing his shooting quite a lot, and credit to him as well. I think you know there's been a lot of work done. He seems to have boosted his confidence a bit, and playing alongside Jars really helped. I mean, for me, I, I mean, I know I'm I'm a big fan of Fernino, and I know he's not playing much in Mallorca. I, I don't see any harm in maybe bringing him back and cancelling his loan and seeing if he wants to have a crack. But I, I kind of agree with both of you too. I don't feel we need a massive need for another striker. Um, I think in the summer we might have to look at. Paco or look at our striking options or, or midfield or the whole roster really and maybe try and get rid of someone. You mentioned Daniel Rabbit. He just doesn't seem to be wanting to sort of grow as a player. You've got a few sort of aging age of veterans. Like, I mean, not to be disrespectful to Ibori, he's obviously just come back from injury, but you know, is there space for him, Coquelin as well. So I think any movement is likely in the summer. I think the only time we might possibly move is if, if we lose Dan Juma to Liverpool and I can't think why in the world he would want to leave really because how the hell he's going to get Salah and, and Mane and people out of that squad I have no idea so it would be very stupid to move I think and especially considering he's developing here but I, I'm kind of in agreement with both of you two I don't think we massively need a striker my only concern would be if Gerard Moreno gets injured again which I really hope he doesn't and he's pretty versatile as a you know it's rare he gets injured to be fair to him I think he's just knackered 
Um, so yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you two really um, on that. Can Can I give my wild take on Denjuma? Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what, I, what What if I said I no? It. You would give it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, you're saving me writing an article about it. So, um, I I absolutely loved the guy. I think he's terrific. Um, I also think that if Liverpool or somebody came in for a crazy offer, that Chiquese's good enough that we could sell Danjuma, not actually even buy another forward and be just as good the second half of the year with a healthy Chiquese as we were the first half of the year with a healthy Danjuma, and there'd just be no drop-off, and the club's just richer for it. Because he's as electric as he is dribbling the ball and shooting the ball, he doesn't create as well as Chiquese does. He doesn't play very good defense. Um, So if somebody's willing to come through and pay 50, 60, 70 million euros for him, go right ahead. We'll take that money. And hey, there's the, you want to buy a fancy goalkeeper? There's your money for a fancy goalkeeper. But I don't think Dan Juma, with Gerard and Samu both healthy, I don't think Dan Juma brings enough value added that you even necessarily worry about replacing him if he gets bought on. Mm, Well, I, okay, that's, that's a take. Um, Where's <laughs> your take? I think we need some more takes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I I think you. I think Zach is correct that Villarreal haven't stood in the way of a player leaving for a bunch of money, and I think probably the best example of that was Bakambu. You know, where we were, where we sold him in January of a season where we were where he was playing really well. And we had an opportunity to make a bunch of money on it, and we did. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I I guess I would like to see him um, complete a year with the club. And I and I feel like we sent we haven't seen because he because of injuries and so forth. I mean, I still want him around during our Champions League run in the second half of the season. So I don't want to. You know, I if if somebody came in and and offered you know a bunch of money, I think I'd tell them come back in the summer. Yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, I'm kind of in agreement again with with you two. I if a big offer came in, I would take it. To be honest with you, I, I think he's brilliant. I mean, he, he has covered when Jared hasn't been there. He's been our goal threat. And he's electric to watch. Uh, my only slight disagree. I, I think I would try and replace. Him, if, if we got rid of him, that's no disrespect to Samu or, or Pino, but I think that left wing was so important that we ended up looking at that. You know, if you imagine a four-four-two, that left winger role was so missing last year. I think, uh, and Dan Juma's definitely covered it. So I, I would like to see someone on that left wing. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone as electric and as good as Dan Juma, but I think I don't think we can rely on Moy or Trigueros on that left wing. I think you need someone that's that's a traditional winger, and that's. Yeah. I mean, Alberto Moreno's been that, hasn't he? In a way, yeah. But, yeah. That was going to be my question. Like that, that, I think that ends up being the litmus test for how much you believe in what Alberto Moreno has been able to provide this year. Like, if you think he can actually do that the rest of the season, then you know, yeah, making being fifty million dollars, fifty million euros richer, and losing Dan Juma is not that bad. Um, if you think that that's not something he can sustain, then yeah, I think you're, you're right. Your position has to be, uh, oh, we still need somebody that can bring that electricity to the left side. Yeah, and the other but thing, I, I believe in Alberto, so that's that's what part of why I take the stand that I do on it. Okay, we would have never said that two years ago, would we? No, <laughs> we first signed up No, well, <laughs> I, think, I, yeah. I think to be fair, also though, let's remember that Liverpool were linked with with Samu for what, two years anyway, you know, in the same press that we're always like, oh, you know, they're going to, they're going to come in with 71 million or whatever it was for Samu. Um, you know, it never happened. And I just have a hard time thinking that, that Liverpool are going to try to, to spend that much money or that Denjuma would agree to go for that much money to basically be a fill in while Mane et al are in Africa. That's, 
I, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I I know EPL clubs have a bunch of money, but they still mostly try to use common sense. Well, I, the I sell, the selling point that Liverpool has is they they could show a perspective forward. Hey, look at the age bracket that that our front three is in right now. Um, these guys can't play. 60, 70 matches a year like they used to, and we're going to be transitioning from them in the next two or three years anyway, come in, become part of the system, win some trophies, and then be the man for a few years. Um, that's the selling point. Um, now, I don't know if Dan Juma's defensive work rate is a great fit at Liverpool, but kind of like you said, Alan, the links, uh, the, the links tying him to Liverpool have not been the most reliable sources in the world. Um, so I wouldn't expect it to happen in the, in, in the winter at any. Right. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me why Liverpool. Want, I mean, to fair play to Liverpool, they've always been quite sensible with their signings over previous years. You know, they don't sign. I mean, Dan Dan Juma is brilliant, and but we we mentioned it briefly there. But he, he, his injury record isn't great. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do think we need to have a firm word of our scouting department about injuries, considering the players that we've signed recently. There's all seem to have injury problems, but. Um, yeah, no, I completely. Agree. I think I just I think for me that we did have a massive gap last year not having that left winger. So I I mean I like Alberto Moreno and he's had one or two good games, but he's not for me he's not quite that left winger that we need in terms of sort of setting up play. I mean like that goal yesterday was a really good goal, but he, he back backward. He always looks a bit clueless in that box, and I know that sounds disrespectful when he scored, but I don't think he's quite transitioned into that sort of left winger role. And I think he needs someone that will sort of almost teach him how to do it in a way. And I, I definitely see him as a sort of work in progress for that left I, wing. I don't know if that's entirely fair, though, because Alberto Moreno has got um, – I know he's got three goals in assistant La Liga. He scored in the Champions League. And I think he scored in those early Copa del Rey matches too, right? I mean, like the guy – like his goal yesterday was not just some kind of fluke. I mean, the guy's been been scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's fair. It's for me. It's more about sort of setting up the play as well, the assist. I mean, I think that's probably also my kind of issue with Samu and Pino. That's why I prefer Pino because I think he does more assists and setting up rather than the goal threat. But as I said, it's it's kind of how you want to play, and that that is a fair comment. He has scored a lot of goals to be to his credit. And I mean, I mean, like Dan Juma has Dan Juma has one more assist. Than Alberto Moreno does this year. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of wacky, but if like if you take everything else out of it and just talk about goals and assists, um, it, for Alberto, in about 800 minutes this year in La Liga, playing a lot of those, you know, in a more reserved role where he doesn't get as many touches, he's got three goals and one assist. Whereas Dan Juma has five goals in in two assists in La Liga this year, in in about 800 minutes. So I mean the the difference in outcomes is not that dramatic between the two. Yeah, but 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 the eye test tells me different, though. I mean, if I'm if I'm a if I'm an opposing player, I know I Denjuma scares me <laughs> far more right. than Alberto Moreno does. Um, but was he more? Was he scarier when he was playing without Gerard? Because I think that's the other element to this, where yeah. um, where Danjuma and I think Jamie even mentioned in our chat a couple of times, Danjuma's kind of a selfish player, which is not a bad thing for a goal scorer. Like I'm not saying that as a criticism, but he's kind of a selfish player in that he always believes he can get past the man in front of him, and he always believes that if he sees a corner of the goal, he can put the ball in that corner of the goal. And whereas most of the other forwards we have including Chiquese, are much more, yeah, I'm going to try to dribble past this guy, but then if, if I'm in a bad angle, I want to find somebody else with it. And Alberto Moreno does that, and Jeremy does that, and Sammy does that, Gerard does that, and even Bulai does that. And so I, I guess the question is, Dan Juma's best run of form was without Gerard in the lineup, Mm-hmm. And do we get the most dangerous, scary form of Danjuma if our best player is also on the field? 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. That's a good point. Excellent point mentioning Samu in that as well because I, I think that was one of the criticisms of early Samu that he wasn't setting up play. And I think it's we're right to say at this point that Samu's really improved that. I think you mentioned that earlier on as well. So yeah, it is it's definitely a case. I think we've all sort of picked up on that Dan Juma, you know, he he's one of those players that will stick his hand up and apologize, but at the end of it all, you know, he's lying about it. he just wanted to shoot on goal. So <laughs> Um, Samu, Samu actually per 90 um, creates through dribbles, getting fouled, um, passes, everything, creates almost twice as many shots per 90 minutes as Dan Juma does. Yeah. So it is an interesting one then. So um, who, who would you prefer to start a match, Pino or Samu? Would you, I mean, for me, all I would say is I, I personally prefer Samu coming on second as, as a sub and being that dynamism and really attacking that sort of tired defence for, for me I think that's when you see Samu is best but how, how do you feel in terms of sort of Pino Samu because for me Pino's been brilliant as well this season so who would you start just out of interest everyone well I think the only thing about Samu coming off the bench is some players are really good coming off the bench because they're they're immediately get right in the fray and and are are top of their game. Others take a little bit of time. And I, I don't really know. Um, I kind of, I, I, the, I think the thing about when you start him is that sometimes he's better at this than he used to be, but sometimes he can still sort of drift along for the first half, sort of in and out of matches. So if you want, if you, but then I think Jeremy can too. So I'm, I'm not sure. I kind of, I really like Samu, um, and I I think I would probably say I'm I'm happy either way. I think it almost you, you almost might look at it depending on how much how much do you want his speed and dribbling versus um, uh, the creativity of of Jeremy. Okay, uh, is Zach still there? Or hey, am I back? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're back. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, how, how do you feel, Zach? Uh, Pino or Samu? So, I think we're flickering. Are you there? No, I think he's gone again. We should, pro- we should probably um, wind up. Oh, there he is. Are you there? No. Okay. Well, we should probably wind up um, anyway because we're getting on for... Fairly hey, am I here? Oh yeah, you are right here. Okay, so give us your quick answer, right. and then Easter- we're gonna then we're gonna wind up. Yeah. Okay. So the question I heard was, which would I rather start, Jeremy or Samu? Yeah. And, and and frankly, if if Jeremy's performing at the like peak form that he had when the season started, then I want Samu as a super sub. But I I've seen. And it's almost crazy to say this after what we've seen from Sammy the last three years. I've seen more consistent brilliance from Samu than I have from Jeremy. I think Samu's the better player, and you use him to get the lead, and you bring on Jeremy, who's a little bit harder working defensively, to finish the game off. Okay. That's a fair point. That sounds good. All right. Well, um, well, on that note, I think we'll we'll end this podcast. But it sounds like we'll have plenty more material for for others soon, um, given all the various ideas we've thrown out there and we'll see how the transfer market goes and if anything actually happens. Um, so until we're back again, this is Alan for Robin and Zach saying thank you for listening and end of a very real. 